my favorite thing is just to go to a new place and explore and, and see what I can find. I don't want to know all the popular routes. I want to just see the hidden gems that I can find. That was Matt McClellan of Ozark Overland Adventures. And this is the Guide GPS Off-Road Podcast. I'm Wade, your host. Did you get out on some epic trails in 2021? If you did, you probably use Guide GPS to plan new routes off the beaten path and to keep you on track when you're on those remote, dusty roads. I know I've been using Guide GPS for years to plan my trips into the backcountry, and I have a very specific workflow using the same features and the same maps I've been using for years. But did you know that the folks at Guide GPS are constantly updating the app? There are so many new options, it's easy to stick with what you know and miss the constant stream of new improvements. We're going to push you out of your comfort zone today. To help you get the most of Guide GPS, we've got two Guide GPS experts to walk us through the best updates of 2021. Joining us are Chris Crock of 4X Overland Adventure and Matt McClellan of Ozark Overland Adventures. Both have been using Guide GPS for years. They provide feedback and development to the company on Overland Features, and they teach webinars at events and in their own social media channels. Today, they're going to look back at the best, most useful overlanding features that Guide GPS rolled out in 2021 and how you can make good use of these new features on your next Overland adventure. Wait a minute. You don't have Guide GPS yet? Hey, don't worry. We got a special deal for you. Through the end of the year, Podcast listeners can get 40% off a premium membership. Just go to www.gaiagps.com slash offroadpodcast. That's G-A-I-A-G-P-S dot com slash offroadpodcast to snag this amazing deal through the end of 2021. A premium membership will get you access to Gaia GPS's extensive map catalog and all the features Matt and Chris will be talking about here today. So let's get the wheels on the road with Chris and Matt. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. We really appreciate you taking the time. Very glad to be here. Thanks for including us. Why don't you take just a couple of minutes and give us a little bit of an introduction to yourselves for our listeners that might not be familiar with you. Uh, Matt, why don't you start first? Well, I'm Matt McClellan. I've got a YouTube channel called Ozark Overland Adventures. Actually, was just able to go full time with that back on August 1st, and am having a blast doing that, creating that content, getting to travel more, and seeing more amazing places. A few times a year, I teach classes on how to use Gaia GPS at different uh, expos and events and that sort of thing. Yeah, that's great. How about you, Chris? Hi, my name is Chris Crockett. I'm in a company called 4X Overland Adventures. Camping since the 70s, uh, overlanding since, I think, uh, early 2013. Been using Gaia GPS since then. Um, offer gear advice, a little bit of guiding services. Have a website and Instagram. I don't do the YouTube thing. I don't have enough patience to create quality videos. So, And I also have taught classes <laughs> in the past. Um, I have done some work with some of the local volunteering groups, the local groups in uh, Arizona. Yeah, Chris and I are both from Arizona. And uh, actually, Chris, you kind of guided me into the Gaia GPS world many years ago. You were on the forums and stuff talking about Gaia GPS, and I was not very happy with what I was using. And so I blame you for my addiction to uh, all the different map layers of Gaia GPS. So thanks for that. Just briefly, what's some of your favorite layers whenever you're planning to go out on an extended overland trip? Uh, Matt? 
Most of my trips involve being in national forests. So I like the USFS classic layer. There's two USFS main layers, the classic and the 2016. I prefer the classic just because it has a white background. It makes it really easy to see. But I, I think the motor vehicle use map or MVM overlay is absolutely critical for being in any national forest and is definitely my go-to layer for that. With that, uh, especially here where I am in, in Arkansas in the Ozark National Forest, it would be so easy to get on a closed trail and you know possibly get ticketed for that. And, you know, don't, don't want to be that guy. So the MVM overlay is hands down my most frequently used layer. Yeah. Chris? Uh, Gaia Topo, because they made a lot of improvements to it over the past couple of years. Um, I use public land a lot, private land a lot, especially out west. It's nice to see if you're about to go into private land, where to camp, obviously, on public land layers. The USFS roads and trails is good. The Nat Geo layers are great, depending on where you go. So if you're in a place like uh, Death Valley or Baja, then the Nat Geo layers are great because of the point of uh, interest uh, data that's on those kind of really depends on what part of the country I'm in with the layers, but certainly Gaia Topo, just as a default, I download entire states of Gaia Topo, and then I always have a map on my devices, no matter what. So Yeah, Gaia Topo really, for the amount of information you get, doesn't take up a lot of room. Uh, it's a really compressed map system. They do a great job with that. What layers do you typically download for the trail whenever you're going out? I keep probably six or seven layers that are always downloaded. Gaia Topo is always my base layer. Love that one. Uh, then I've got USFS Classic for when I'm in National Forest, MVM Overlay. And then, like Chris said, I've got public lands so I can easily see when I'm, what, you know, what type of land I'm in. If it's National mm-hmm. Forest or BLM or if I'm about to transition into public land or excuse me, if I'm about to transition into private land. And then I really love the shaded relief overlay. I don't know if y'all use that one much, but the shaded relief just really set that opacity to about 25%, and it makes the topo lines and the terrain features just really pop uh, on my screen. So love having that. And then I use the AT&T. Uh, I keep the AT&T cell signal publicly mm-hmm. downloaded as well. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty good. I, I download uh, the Verizon one for out here, and then I go to where there isn't any cell phone signal if I possibly exactly. can. Exactly. That's the <laughs> goal, know? right? That's the point, yeah. Uh, Chris, you want to add anything to what uh, what you tend to download when you go out? I say, or you can turn your phone off. But, yeah, that's always optional. But, yeah, um, yeah you know, when I'm out planning and discovering areas, I use SatView a lot just because you can look at different map layers they're not always going to show what's what's out there, right? You know, depending on when it was updated. Um, so SatView is great. SatView has kind of saved our bacon a couple of times. I do a lot of uh, overlanding with the trailer behind me. And sometimes, you know, trails change just because of weather and washouts. Like we had a very active uh, monsoon season here in Arizona this summer. And, you, you know, you get yourself in a pickle and be like, well, I don't want to go back that way. And, and the sat view sometimes can show you where you can go like, oh, there's a wash. It's a dry wash. I can go through there safely. And then I can, you know, right. go a couple of miles and get up on the other side and get back on a, on a forest road. I mean, again, it kind of depends on the trips, what I, what I have say, but I would say like what I listed before, public and private land, um, roads and trails, uh, sometimes 2016. I like the, I like the USFS 2016. I actually like the colors cause it makes some stuff pop out and then the, the way that the forest roads are marked in red box kind of makes them stand out. 
again, it kind of just depends on the trip. If I was going to Death Valley, I would certainly have Nat Geo downloaded. Baja, I'd mm. have Nat Geo downloaded. So there, there's a ton of layers. I mean, that's the thing for anybody that's new to Gaia GPS. You just have to sit there and take the time and go through and and see what what your favorites are. Like I don't use Shader Relief, but maybe I'll like what Matt had said. Maybe I'll start checking that out. There's just a there's a lot of different options available. So yeah, my techniques kind of change all the time because I just keep discovering new things and uh, different features. And speaking of new things, I mean, 2021 has been a uh, pretty big year for Gaia rolling out some new features that are going to be great for off-roaders and overlanders. And that's what we're really here to talk about today. Probably the first one uh, is they rolled out Apple CarPlay in 2020 and now then Android Auto in 2021. Now I've got a chance to use Apple CarPlay a little bit in one of my vehicles. There's not that many differences uh, between the two. Either one of you had a chance to play with them yet? I actually just got a 2021 Jeep Gladiator and have fallen in love with having CarPlay. It is so awesome to be able to have that on the screen. And what I found is I can actually kind of set up two different views because I can have maybe a a wide view of the whole Mm -hmm. area on my CarPlay screen. And then on my phone, I can zoom in to where I am so I can I can get two different views by using CarPlay instead of having to, to zoom in and out on my phone or tablet, whatever anyone's using. So having CarPlay has been fantastic for when I'm out on the trail. I love it. Chris, do you have anything that uses uh, either one of those? My forerunner does do. You do? Ah. Oh, yeah. Well, so I was one of the first testers for Gaia <laughs> GPS with CarPlay. So I'm pretty well versed in it. I used to have an FJ Cruiser. had to add a non-factory radio to that to get CarPlay. Mm-hmm. Um, I now have a 2021 Forerunner and it's included. I'm an Apple guy. However, I do have some Android devices for like testing purposes. Um, I have not used Android Auto, but kind of like just like Matt, I still have an iPad mounted in my my rig. That will probably never go away because I like the size of the screen and how you interact with it. CarPlay is awesome, either as a primary display off your phone or as a, a secondary display, is, is like what Matt said. I'll typically run a different map layer on uh, CarPlay. Oh, Chris, you just taught me something because I did not realize that I could have different layers visible on CarPlay than I do on my mobile device. Yeah, well, so that the phone, awesome. yeah, I mean, the phone would be connected to CarPlay and then your tablet would be with whatever you want to run. So, yep. so you'd have to have two devices, one device running the Apple CarPlay and then a separate device that was using, so a, a phone and an iPad, so you have a different uh, screen set up there, gotcha. right? Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, correct. Yeah, I just purchased the Dodge Ram 1500 that has that humongous screen. And that was my first chance to use uh, CarPlay. And, and we're talking about CarPlay just because that's what we have. Remember, they came out with Android Auto, but there's very few differences really between the two of them. But man, having that thing up there on that huge screen was, uh, was awesome for a, a long road trip. I think one of the big things that, uh, came out this year was a lot of updates to Gaia Topo. And of course, Gaia Topo for most of us is sort of our start point. We use a lot of the other layers, but in reality, Gaia Topo is the thing that I probably have pulled up on my screen whenever I'm out the most. They've added 150,000 miles of roads and trails in the national forest just this year alone. So the level of detail is really getting impressive. Yeah, I love Gaia Topo, and anytime I'm out west, especially, 
um, on BLM land, Gaia Topo is my go-to layer. In addition to that, I love the fact that you can click on the points of interest and get information about them. Mm -hmm. uh, that's super handy to me. Yeah, and of course, that shaded relief you were talking about, they added that uh, this year as well. I'm definitely going to going to give that a try. One of the things that we don't uh, use very much out here, but might be a player for you, Matt, is uh, they've added tree covering shading to it. So you can kind of see oh. where, yeah. So you can begin to see if you're going up high, you can tell where the tree lines are, you know, and things I like that. I hadn't right. seen that one yet. That's it's amazing. They roll these things out, you know, and I, I just, it's like hunting for Easter eggs. I just keep finding totally uh, different things on there. Chris, what are some of the things that you've noticed that you liked on the uh, new Topo 2021? It's just a super layer to, to have. I tend to do more dispersed camping than than like finding campgrounds. And so mm -hmm. some of that data that's on there, like I think they mark gas stations now and a few other things. There's I right. mean, Again, it kind of gets back to Gaia's this awesome tool. A lot of the information they added this year, you kind of touched on, it was in the cities because now they've got buildings marked as uh, hospitals, gas station, groceries, museums, restaurants. So when you're looking to roll into town to do some resupply, it's pretty nice to to be able to look on the map and see where the nearest gas station is and market and things like that. I would say don't be afraid to tap the little eye icon on any map layer and it'll show you everything that's on there. So you see new things pop up all the time. So Yeah. Well, one of the things I don't think it's actually been announced yet is you're talking about tapping to get some information. They now have an embedded link to rec.gov. So you can go straight from Gaia Topo to make your reservations for your campsite. If you're headed into the Grand Canyon or whatever. That is Very super cool. helpful. That would be awesome. Yeah. And besides that, I just found out about it. And so I went to Mather Campground up on the south rim of the Grand Canyon and sort of zoomed in. And so they have all the individual campsites listed. So you could throw like one of the satellite views overlaying it and say, you know, okay, you know, that's got some uh, trees around it. There's a little bit of shade there. It also shows you where the water fountain is and the bathrooms and everything else and go, well, that might be a little too close to the bathroom. So maybe I'll get site 17 over here instead of that one. And then you click and it'll take you right to uh, the reservation system for rec.gov. Not a bad little feature. Also during 2021, Gaia GPS and Trails Off-Road started a little uh, integration system between the two of them. And in full disclosure, I do write some trails for Trails Off-Road and uh, also lead their rider development program. Now then, they've got a way to send a trail guide from Trails Off-Road, at least the GPX portion of it, straight to your guide GPS account with just a touch of a single button. Either one of you use that yet? I have. I used it actually this past summer on one of my trips out to Moab. And it was really handy to be able to research the trails and trails off-road and then add the ones that I wanted to run to my Gaia so that it was easily, instantly there and accessible. Yeah, I think they're pushing up around uh, 3,000 trails now nationwide. And, of course, they've, they've got Moab pretty well covered. So, I mean, I spend a lot of time planning trips. And if they've got a trail guide already for it, it's nice to just to be able to take that and insert it right into Gaia GPS. I mean, it comes in in its own little folder, so you can put it wherever you want to put it. Yeah, it's great. Um, Trails Off-Road is, is fantastic. I'll use it a lot if I'm in an area that I haven't had time to research. Maybe there's a trail that we can hit real quick. If you're passing through an area like Moab would be a, a, a good example. And like you said, how it sets up its own folder within Gaia GPS is, is super helpful. So I think that 
especially if people are new to overlanding and are not sure where to go or what type of trails they want to take, then uh, a subscription to Trails Off-Road is, is certainly an excellent resource. And then you get more enhanced map layers, obviously, with Gaia GPS. So. Yeah, and Trails Off-Road now has their own apps and everything, but I really like to have their information on Gaia GPS just because that's what I'm using for everything else anyway, and it gives me a, a much larger picture. But for folks that don't know what Trails Off-Road is, I mean, basically they have trail guides that are very standardized difficulty rating, so you don't wind up getting surprised by how hard a trail is. Uh, a lot of detailed camping information. They list all of the dispersed camping along trails and photos and videos. Uh, so really, you wind up kind of knowing before you go. I think that's their motto, know before you go. So it uh, works out pretty good. There's just, there's so many new people getting into this overlanding and off-road and, you know, car camping thing. And they come into, you know, they get an app like Gaia and they have the resources there, but they don't know how to use them yet to find their own trails. Mm -hmm. And so the, one of the most common questions that I see, you know, in the different forums and stuff is how do I find trails? And so people are just really looking for that curated trail information and trails off-road is great. It's, the, it's great at that. And then being able to bring that into Gaia, I think is really helpful for those that are new into this. For us, we've been doing this for a long time. My favorite thing is just to go to a new place and explore right? and, and see what I can find. I don't want to know all the popular routes. I want to just see the hidden gems that I can find. But for the new people, that and the integration of Gaia is a fantastic resource. Yeah, for me, if I'm going to some place that I don't know very much about, and I download a Trails Off-Road trail guide into Gaia. I'm the same way. I'm, I'm going to go out and explore. So now then, I've got it where I go along and go, whoa, you know, this little side road over here, where does it go to? Well, I've got Gaia GPS right there to, to answer that question, and I feel fine, you know, taking off up that one to, to go do some exploring. There will be a discount code for Trails Off-Road in the show notes, but it's uh, trailsoffroad.com slash podcast. They actually were a sponsor of the first six episodes of uh, Guy GPS Off-Road Podcast, so we thank them for doing that. Chris, you talked about the Nat Geo Maps. They've added two new ones uh, this year, and I'm kind of excited about it because I've been wanting to go up to Idaho. They've got the Sawtooth National Recreation Area and the Sun Valley Ketchum Area, uh, which I hear are both beautiful places. So, I've only That's been through there once, but you know, there's there's obviously plenty of places that I haven't seen in this country. But I went through there back in in uh, 2016, and yeah, <laughs> if money was no object, I would probably have a nice cabin on some acreage up there. Do either one of you ever use the uh, USGS topo map? I do. I think um, as a comparison, especially if you're if you do have cell service and you're sitting around the campfire and you. Maybe maybe there's more information out there. Again, every map layer is different. I, I never used the historical layers before, and I've started to look at those because they're kind of they're fun to look at as well to see how the GIS people map things out 100 years ago, or even 50 years ago, or 60 years ago. The other one I use out here a lot too is Mines and Minerals. That one's very cool. Mm -hmm. So you, especially in Arizona and Colorado. There's mines everywhere. And if you're just curious as to what kind of mine it was, you can tap on that. It tells you when it started, when it stopped, what they were mining. Right. And just a lot of more historical context, I guess, within the, the, the map layers now. So, Yeah, that's kind of what I use USGS Topo for is uh, that historical 
back in January, uh, Gaia GPS added the 1885s to 1930 maps. And then in July, they went uh, 1960 to 1980. And I find they're absolutely great for finding those old abandoned mines, ghost towns and cemeteries and things like that that might not be on the, the newer maps. Matt, do you use do you use those at all? I don't use them much uh, here. Like I think like Chris said, it's really valuable out west, but where I am here in the, the central U.S., especially here in Arkansas, I, I haven't looked at it much. I've played around with the historic stuff just because I think that stuff is is cool. Yeah, that part be some uh, you know having that as a background, you know, some old ghost town or something like that makes pretty good content on your YouTube. Could be. I'll have to give that a try. <laughs> we have to get you out. Yeah, we have to get you out here and uh, and drag you around to some of those places. That'd be fun. One of the things that I've appreciated lately, you know, we've always had the snap to trail routing whenever we were online. So you could have guy topo up, and you can build yourself a color coded route from here to there. But now you can do it offline as well. So doing a little changing up your trip whenever you're actually out there beyond cell phone range is a nice feature. I think that's very handy. It drives me nuts just to have to draw a whole bunch of straight lines if I'm changing directions of of where I'm going on a trip. Uh, Just like I did this past weekend, my wife and I just got back from five days out in the um, Carlsbad, New Mexico area. And had everything pretty planned out on where I wanted to go. And we found out that White Sands National Park was just three hours away. And so we decided to divert to that area on our last full day. And so I had to, on the fly, kind of pre-plan just some areas to check out for where we were going to be camping that night. And using that offline routing data made doing that so easy. And I loved it. I absolutely cannot brag on that new feature enough. Most of my stuff is pre-planned, but when I'm out and about and decide to go somewhere that we didn't plan on beforehand, having that was was awesome. Yeah, I always build this huge plan and it mostly <clears throat> survives until about noon of the first day. <laughs> you know? And then it's like, exactly. oh, I want to go over there, you know. So yeah. So I so I hear what you're saying. Chris, have you had a chance to use that yet? Yeah, it's great. I mean it's the same thing like you can plan all you want either conditions change because of, of weather or it just wasn't what you expected, right? Like you right. said, you, oh, what's over there? I want to go over there. It's nice. I use it probably more for estimating distance. So if I do want to change my route, mm-hmm. you can draw something real quick and you know see how many miles it is and then go off of that. But again, it's a huge help. I'm, certainly, it gives you a great idea of where you could go to uh, deviate off of your your planned route. And like you said, Wade, you like to go to places that don't have cell service. So it's helpful for that. So. <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of my happy place. That also gives you the opportunity to have offline turn-by-turn directions uh, with that offline routing. I always tell people when I make a wrong turn, I'm just going over to take some photos. So I saw something. <laughs> There's never any wrong turns, right? You know? <laughs> I'll have Being to remember the- that as an excuse. That's, uh, that's pretty good. Uh, One of the things that I just get a kick out of sitting at uh, my desk and planning a trip is the new 3D map application that they've got. So basically, you can take any of their maps and click on, you know, the little 3D button down to the lower right-hand side, and it will give you the visual of all of those contours, and you can kind of change the pitch uh, that you're looking at it and all that. I mean... The world isn't flat, so your map doesn't have to be either, right? Very true. I played with that when it first came out just to 
experiment with it. But I, I, it's not a feature that I, I use very often in my in my planning. Like I said, I use that shaded relief layer overlay, which really makes the topo lines pop. So I haven't uh, haven't had a chance to really need the, the 3D feature much. Yeah, I don't use it so much for planning. It's just a, just kind of cool sometimes to be able to visualize, you know, if I'm going through a canyon, you know, what is what does everything look like uh, around me as far as elevation wise? Yeah, I would say the same thing. But like what Matt was saying is I like to just go out and and discover stuff. And you know, a lot of times there's a lot of misses and, and you'll, you'll go where you think there's going to be a nice view and there's nothing or you can't get there, you know, those, those types of, of things. And even though the SAP views are awesome and, and the, like I could see looking at the 3D, same thing, you're like, oh, if we could get up on the spot, if it's fun to just go out and discover on your own, map some stuff out then lead people. I'm not a huge fan of uh, crowdsourced information, but we have our public tracks layer available in the app. And from the map page, all you do is just touch the map sources and the map overlay and then public tracks on or off. So a lot of lines going through some place that you don't know very much about at least tells you that other people have been there before. And I find that looking at the speed they're going tells me kind of a clue on the trail conditions or if they're hiking. If it's all two miles an hour, they're not driving. Uh, and if it's all 45 miles an hour, they're probably not in my forerunner. Have you guys used the public tracks much? I use it kind of like what you say. If I'm new to an area, I will turn it on just to see how much traffic maybe certain trails get. I find, at least in national forests, at least down here in the Ozarks, I'll click on it and I can see a lot of illegal trails that people are running <laughs> that they shouldn't be, um, you know, trails that aren't on the motor vehicle use maps. Uh, that's, uh, that's always fun. But I, I, I wish my only wish with the whole public tracks thing is that it could distinguish between what was someone's hiking trip and what was someone's, you know, road mm-hmm. trip. I, I wish there was a way for it to color code it. But I've realized, yeah, that's dependent on the people saving that track, categorizing it themselves, and most yeah, most people don't. So it's right. kind of limited on, on it being able to do that because of the people that are making those tracks public. But that would be super handy because that's what I find. I see a lot of people ask that. I don't know if this is a hiking trail or a driving, something that people drove on. Yeah, that's why you will check the speed, you know, just yeah. to see. Like say, if it's, if it's two that. miles an hour, they're, they're hiking, you know, and so that's where I'm not going to not going to go driving. So I think you can also, if you find a public track that you like, you can actually save that into your own account as one of your tracks uh, as well. So if you found something that looked really interesting, I know I looked at one track uh, somewhere over in Western Arizona and area I'd never been. And this track looked interesting and I clicked on it and it was a about 800 and something miles long. I think the guy turned it on when he left his garage and turned it back off whenever he got back from wherever he was going. But he had a great trip. It uh, looked like some interesting places. But I, again, it goes back to different users, right? Like we talked about Trails Off-Road being great if you you want suggestions and you want something that somebody else has done before. I mean, that's where I can also see where the, the public tracks can be of value to, to certain people. For what I tend to do, it, it's just a little bit less, so I don't I don't use it as much. So Yeah, I just look at it as, at it as one more data point, basically, right. that I can, can use. I think we, we're on here talking about you know, overlanding and off-roading, but I think a lot of people, just because we tend to focus on our own little bubbles, I think a lot of people don't realize that Gaia is used by... A, 
ton of um, recreation segments other than off-roading mm-hmm. and overlanding. Now, I personally use it for hiking and making sure I know how to get back to my vehicle when I'm bushwhacking through the National Forest, you know, in search of waterfalls and that sort of thing. But I've also used it for kayaking, marking possible campsites on riverbanks that I pre-planned uh, for an overnight kayaking trip and stuff. So guy is used by a lot of people other than off-roaders. So when you look at public tracks, you, you got to, you know, filter through that stuff. Yeah. And I'm the same way. I use Gaia obviously for the off-road aspect, but I like to go hiking and, and all that as a part of my overland trips. And so it's nice. I just grab the phone and away we go. And like you say, the cool thing about it is if I'm uh, recording my track, I at least know how to find my way back to my truck, which is kind of the end result that I'm looking for on that hike. So Exactly. Yeah, guys actually saved my butt on a hike before because got to a location, but the sun had started to set before we started getting back to the vehicle. And the trail, you know, with the sun going down, the trail started to disappear a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it wasn't for Gaia, uh, it wouldn't have been so easy to get back to the vehicle. Yeah, I mean, it, Gaia started out as a hiking app for the most part. I've been using it almost nine years. And the great thing is that as off people that use it for off-roading and overlanding has increased, Gaia has added features to the app to make it more useful and have specific features for like what Matt said, what we're talking about today. But obviously, if you're an active hiker or a mountain biker, there's certainly loads of features that you can use or backcountry skiers. I mean, getting back to that same thing of reading like the blog that Gaia puts out when they have new features. It is great to see the stuff that they offer for the other sports out there. We tend to use Gaia mostly on our phones and and iPads and things like that. But the desktop has changed a little bit, uh, especially with organization. And I mean, if I lost my Gaia account, I, I would go through a depression that would be bottomless because I have thousands of hours into all of the different plans and they're all in their own little folders and all that. So organization is kind of key whenever you're you're doing what we do. And they've added a new thing where there's uh, the desktop saved items on the left-hand toolbar. And it's kind of similar to the app. Uh, it looks like a little folder icon and you can filter through what you want to see. So everything, waypoints, routes, tracks, areas, folders, and you can order them alphabetically or by distance or by date created or whatever and search for anything that you've created and find it pretty easy. Have you guys played around with that? I use that feature often because like you said, I've got tons of tracks in my Gaia and a lot of them are from trips that overlap. And so I may be trying Mm -hmm. to plan a new trip and want to turn, leave some things on and leave, turn some things off. And so having that saved icon there on the desktop is makes it a lot easier than having to go into the sub menu of your folders and having it there is super handy. I, like I was real excited. Yeah. I was real excited when guy added that to the desktop. Mm. Yeah. I, was gonna uh, say, I haven't used it yet. It sounds like I need to, because certainly for planning, it's, it's nice to have a larger screen and see the big picture. I tend to do a lot of organization just on my iPad, I guess. I don't know. It's because I'm doing it sitting around the campfire or whatever. It's nice to do it in there, but, but I, I also agree with what both of you said that 
the desktop version has greatly improved, especially probably over the past year. So you keep seeing things that make it uh, more useful. 2021 was a bad year out here in the West for our forest fires. It seemed like all of California was on fire. And of course, the wind blows west to east and we got a tremendous amount of smoke off all of those fires along the West Coast. This year, Guy GPS came out with a smoke forecast maps. So I think there's three of them today, 24 hours and 48 hour predictions and living downwind of those fires, those layers have been super helpful for making decisions on where I want to be going because being in that smoke, I got caught in it a few times this year and it was rough. Yeah, I agree, which is sort of getting back to your favorite map layer thing too, especially when you're trying to discover things, looking at the historical wildfire maps and or you're going to a different state where you don't see something on your local news looking at the current wildfire map. And I have two, like you have experienced trips where depending on which way the wind's blowing, it's almost unbearable to camp where you planned on camping, but that layer would be great to be like, hey, we only have to go. It might only be 10 miles, right? It depends on mm-hmm. the wind pattern that you can get out of that. So that's that is super useful. Yeah, since it's current information, you're going to have to require require some type of a connection to update. But again, I mean, it's it's altered my plans a lot this last summer, being out uh, in Utah and places like that. Yeah, I'll- I haven't used the smoke forecast maps, but when we were out in Utah, or actually we were on our way uh, to run the Rim Rocker Trail from Colorado to Moab, we could see a lot of smoke on the horizon. And I pulled up the active wildfire layer to make sure a wildfire hadn't started you know, in, in an area that we were going in. And that was super helpful on that trip to, you know, because I could see the smoke, but I didn't know where it was coming from. And so just to make sure there wasn't an active wildfire somewhere nearby was very handy. Yeah, I'll take the current wildfire layer and then the current smoke layer. And you can actually see the smoke plume coming off of that particular fire and where it's going. And then you can go to the forecast prediction layers where you've got 24 and 48 hours out and see how the winds are going to shift around and move that smoke. Uh, So it's become a pretty good tool for reacting on the fly to those situations. So we've gone through the features in uh, 2021. We've got a voice here. If you could talk to those great cartographers and software engineers at Gaia GPS, what would you ask for in 2022? Um, There's really not too much for the, the app itself. I mean, it's such a mature app. And while they keep adding features, I think at its core, it's a great app. So I don't know if there are a huge amount of features that I would ask for in, in 2022. Just keep, I think for Guy at GPS, just keep listening to the community, right? Because guys like me are well-seasoned, but there's going to be other people that come along that are new that are like, hey, if you added this, this would make it so much better. So and I think Guy does a pretty good job listening to the user community when they go and add features to the app. Well, guys, anything else you want to throw out to our audience on great things about Guy at GPS in 2021? Well, I've tested most of the GPS offline apps that are out there and definitely think Gaia is the best, the most powerful. It is so powerful in what it can do and how it can help you plan a trip. So be patient with it. Spend time in it. Get to know it. If you take the time to learn it, it will be the most valuable tool that you have when you're out, especially off the grid. Chris, anything you want to toss in? No, I completely agree. I think when you're new, 
and you're excited and you're trying to learn everything at once, maybe just start with a Gaia Topo layer. Then go run some local trail stuff that either you know, especially if you already know the trail, right? You're not Mm -hmm. using it per se to guide you. Um, That helps you learn some of the features, mess around with it while at camp, certainly mess around with it while you're on the couch. Uh, There are a lot of people that that, uh, offer group training for it with you know different overlanding groups i've done it yeah i know matt has has done that and like you mentioned wade I, I did that a couple of years ago here in phoenix i mean covid messed with some of that stuff but those gatherings are happening again so find a local one that somebody is willing to um, volunteer their time to to teach you and obviously youtube is a great resource for nearly anything and there are a bunch of people i know matt has created videos as well that's not my forte but there are certainly a lot of people on youtube that have created good videos on how to use Gaia gps because once you learn it you're not going to be required to go try to find another app to do something that you'd like to do with with regards to mapping so i think that's the the best thing about Gaia. again i've used it for nine years and every time a new app comes out i'll try it but i've to date have yet to find any app that makes me want to go away from Gaia. To me, that circles back to Gaia listening to the community and making improvements because hands down, if you look at any of the really old threads, like I'm a part of Overland Bound, for example, and I started a Gaia GPS thread on there years ago, and you can see a lot of the stuff that people have discussed, or even in the Gaia help section community form of Gaia, you can see things that people have suggested and they have, have been adopted. So yeah, just take your time and learn it and ask questions. Uh, you have this idea that you want to go out this weekend. You're going to do a little bit of planning. Obviously, you're going to download some maps, and then you're going to execute out in the area. Just walk us through the basics of how you do that. Matt, let's start with you. Well, I mean, here I've got two different national forests that I have quick and easy access to. And I know wheeling in a national forest is different than if you're out wheeling on BLM land. So for me... The motor vehicle use map is critical to my planning. So I will open up the actual motor vehicle use map for the area that I'm going to from the Forest Service website. And just so I can compare it to the layers that I'm using in Gaia, the USFS Classic layer, the MVM overlay layer, because I know the Forest Service controls that MVM overlay data. They're not always great at updating it at the same time they update their official maps. I mean, I've seen windows of six months go by before the MVM overlay is updated. So I'm always comparing those two. That's always my starting point is to see what trails I can legally go on and then plan my trip from there. Uh, That's always my foundation to start with the motor vehicle use maps, compare that to Gaia, and then start building my route around that. Uh, Within Gaia, I've got all my stuff turned on my tracks, my waypoints, and my routes, toggle them on so I can see where I've been because most of the time I want to get out and go to the places I haven't been. So I'm using that as my foundation of, okay, I've been to this area before, but I haven't spent a lot of time up here. Let's go explore these trails and see what those are like. That's usually how I start. Chris, how about you? What's your uh, workflow for a nice weekend getaway? Um, Especially in the summertime, I'd say check for closures because there might be a wildfire or there might even be a prescribed burn a lot of times. So they'll close areas. Always check the weather. I know it doesn't rain often in Arizona, but it's nice to check to see if something's coming through. I think that that's important, especially maybe in the wintertime, right? There's people that get caught off guard. Oh, we're going to go camping this weekend. And they don't realize it's going to snow for three days. I'm going to make sure all my maps are downloaded. 
I'll mark waypoints of things if I'm on a kind of a discovery trip of where we might want to look. I might not want to necessarily draw a route to that. Just marking a waypoint is fine. I'll research to see if anybody has created a track for that area that I'm going to, whether that's looking at trails off-road or even the simplest one I tell people too is pick a known trail name on, on Google and then you know search star GPX and see if somebody has created something. It gives me something to look at and load. I may or may not follow it, but it's nice to have. That's another thing like you were talking about with public tracks that might be useful. And then, of course, if I'm leading and going with friends is share Make sure I don't forget to share it um, with the mm -hmm. people. But definitely check your map downloads because I know a lot of people browse on their devices, especially an iPad. And then especially the people are new and they're like, oh, I headed out and all of a sudden my map disappeared. And I said, well, did you download it? No. Or, or they didn't know they needed to download it. And Gaia does a nice job of caching map data. But if you don't download it at some point, right, it's going to go, go away. So, so you may start your track and be fine, but then be 30 miles in, especially when we're doing vehicle-based stuff, right? You can you can travel distances pretty quickly, and then all of a sudden you don't right. have the map data for it. So that's that's a critical one too. But I would say by default, it's so easy to download an entire state with Gaia Topo. Start there. And when you have that, you have a really good map layer. So if you forget to download everything else that you thought that you deemed important, whether it was cell, wildfire, snow, et cetera, who cares? You at least you, you do have the guy at Topo Lair. Well, thanks, guys. I really learned a lot just researching this episode and then even more from both of you. I appreciate you taking your time. Uh, Matt, if you get out to Arizona, you got a couple of guys out here that would be more than happy to show you around. Chris, I'm looking forward to getting will. out on the trail with you real soon here. Yep. Thank you for having me. Um, I need to go to the Arkansas area and Southern Virginia and North Carolina. So I'll certainly track Matt down if uh, maybe next time I go to Overland Expo uh, East spend some time in that that part of the country there's some there's and definitely I know we talk about the west so much but there is a lot of part of this country that's super 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 cool as well that's east of the mississippi or whatever they say arkansas has got two massive national forests that are both unique and it's a it's a special little spot we've got right here in the especially the, the ozarks it's just a special place so y'all come on down and i will gladly show you around we might just take you up on that. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate your time. I hope you found some helpful tips on how to use the new features of Gaia GPS for your next big adventure. My favorite new feature of the year is the integration with Trails Off-Road. They have thousands of fully curated trail guides with difficulty ratings and the best campsites. Now you can send their routes straight to Gaia GPS with a push of a button. It's really just that easy. If you aren't a member already, you can get 20% off a Trails Off-Road all-access membership. Just go to www.trailsoffroad.com slash podcast to pick up that sweet discount. And don't forget, now's the time to get Gaia GPS too. Head on over to GaiaGPS.com slash off-road podcast for 40% off through the end of the year. We all have trail buddies that could use some navigational assistance, so you might want to tell them about these killer deals as well. Trails Off-Road and Guide GPS really is a match made in heaven. Thanks for listening in. This is Wade. See you next time.